0: Welcome to the latest edition of Hear That Podcast, Growl and Paul Energy, I'm Jay Morrison of The Athletic, back here with you as always. Jay, how are we doing?
1: Doing well, Paul. How
0: are you? You know, I'm excited. It's it's uh it's like officially the offseason now. Last week we were sort of fresh into the offseason. There was a lot going on, a lot, you know, a lot to figure out, kind of the first real fresh take. On what's going to come over the next however many months, six, eight, nine months. And now we're sort of like into that slow pace, slower pace. It's still a pace now faster for others. It's like the Browns are the only team without a head coach again. Uh, always, always right with the world as, as, you know, we've been in that mixer before. That thing goes fast. But if you're amongst the teams that are just sort of kind of standing, Pat, you went through it last year. Eh,
1: we're we're hitting a, a nice nice easy pace right now. Just kicking back, taking it easy, working from home. I could get used to this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Heck, I'm I'm on paternity leave right now. And
0: right? still working. And in fact, they're, 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 yeah, that's it. Well, that's it. Gr- Grandma needs her time. You know. <laughs> yeah. So so it's a perfect it's a perfect combo. Grandma gets her time. I, I'm going to go ahead and do the podcast because I, I, we need. I need to talk to the people. The Bengals fans still need us more than so. ever. Yeah, I mean, look, it's dark times, and there, you still need someone to hold your hand through the through the darkness in the cave, right? And that's what we're doing. This is just one more step today, one more step through the darkness,
1: one more step toward the Senior Bowl when everything gets exciting again.
0: Yeah, I guess. Uh, we will be down in Mobile in two weeks. Um, the Bengals obviously coaching that week, so the whole staff will be down there, which is not necessarily that different, only that the staff will be sticking around through the weekend. Most uh, background on the Senior Bowl, how usually it works, most teams and, and, you know, a lot, a lot of teams coaches don't go, like some of their position coaches and stuff don't really go because they're not as involved in the process because the Bengals coaches are so much more involved in the scouting and, and you know, draft process. They're always all down there. Um, but, they, you know, you you come in early in the week and you leave on Thursday or whatever and, and you're out of there. Well, so the difference being this week, since the Bengals are coaching in the game, they'll be sticking around through the duration. A lot of them looking to get out of there probably like an hour after the game finishes, I would imagine on Saturday. Uh, but a good opportunity for them to to get a look at some players. I know something that they're excited about, and and we'll be down there. So we'll have we'll have a podcast that week with all that we're seeing and hearing uh,
1: from from beautiful Mobile, Alabama. It'll probably just for planning purposes for the listener. It'll probably be later than Tuesday. Tuesday's a busy. Well, you're flying in on Tuesday, right? And then yeah, t- yeah, Tuesday's- we'll do it. We'll do it later
0: in the week. Yeah, well, once, once some stuff has actually happened.
1: Yeah, I think their first on-field practice will be Tuesday. They have media day Tuesday morning where all the players are available and then, uh, I think the first practice will be, uh, Tuesday afternoon and then there'll be some practices Wednesday afternoon. So maybe, maybe Wednesday evening, Thursday morning we'll get it recorded.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, Senior Bowl has really become a huge event. Uh, not just in scope of its coverage, which is huge. You know, NFL Network airs all these practices, and it's it's almost like the combine. In that fact, I mean, but you know, you actually look at the production of what has come out of. I mean, you get yeah, ten first rounders last year. I mean, t- almost, so many of these guys will be picked, Uh and so the 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 advantage, you know, certainly the advantage for the Bengals of being able to coach these guys one on one, get a little bit of that extra time. Uh, you know, can be helpful certainly as you get deeper into the process of knowing some of these guys that came through here. We've seen it pay off for other teams. And they're going to hope for it to pay off for them. Uh, well, we're going to get to, um, let's we'll dive in a little bit of the coaching stuff because that's sort of what is the news of the time right now in the league, uh, is, is what is happening as coaching staff start to scramble. Um, we want to specifically talk a little about linebackers, which is, um, you know, a position that, is of the utmost importance, which that is no secret. Uh, And then we want to spend some time talking about Sam Weish. Um, You know, uh, unfortunately, sadly, passes last week at the age of 74. Uh, Legend in Cincinnati. Um, And, you know, legendary for what he did on the field and legendary for the type of guy he was off of it. And lots of stories there. Jay talked to so many people uh, close to Sam last week. I'm going to bring you some of those stories from them and tell some a few of them ourselves and discuss him uh, and the legacy uh, that he leaves behind. So a lot to get to. Let's start with coaching stuff. Um, so a- as you know, the staff, we, we touched on this at the beginning of last week. Um, you have the staff who has the seven coaches that w- – Whose contracts were part of the previous regime? Who had one year left on them uh, that were up, and and so those guys um, are still are still technically out there uh, to to get that all figured out. One piece of news that did come out of the staff um, is linebackers coach Tim Lukabu has moved on to Boston College to be their defensive coordinator. Um, you know it, it's. Not really that big of a move. I, I honestly kind of wondered if they might move on from Tim anyway, just because of everything that had happened in the linebacker room and how disappointed they were in everyone's progress there. And then there was a little bit show at the end of the year, but I was kind of one of those wondering if we would see Tim brought back. So good for him that he ended up getting a, a promotion to uh, the DC job uh, at BC.
1: Yeah, it's it is an. Easy transition for them. We don't know for sure yet if they're going to go out and get another linebackers coach, but it makes sense that, that they're going to promote Mark Duffner. Um, he, he was the, the seat, the special defensive assistant this past year, been around the league forever. I mean, he got his start in the NFL here in Cincinnati coaching linebackers in 1997. Um, he's been a defensive coordinator. Uh, he was the Bengals head coach for like a day. <laughs> and then, the, there was a little bit of a team mutiny and they, they ended up switching uh, after they fired Bruce Coslett and uh, uh, they they gave the job to Mark Duffner and then they took it away from him and gave it to Dick LeBeau. But Mark is really well-respected. He's been around forever. He, he, he knows these guys. He was here all year last year. So it just makes sense that he's going to kind of slide into that role and, and take over the linebackers. They haven't announced that officially yet, but that's what we're surmising is going to happen. I mean, it's just such
0: an it's such an easy uh, transition there to to bring Duff in to take over that position. So you would assume that that uh, will be the next step there. Um, beyond that, um, you know, we'll wait and see how many of this of the Mobile Seven as they as they know I wrote that story before the year uh, end up coming back. You know, um, we've talked about Braden Combs uh, and the interest that he has had across the league. In uh, him, a guy who may be ready to take the next step. Um, and, you know, you look at um, a special teams group that finished number one in DVOA uh, this past year, and you could see him getting some opportunities, certainly. Um, you have to think that they're going to obviously want to bring Darren back. Uh, I would I would expect to see a lot of these guys um, returning. We'll see exactly how many we expect news on that pretty soon. Um, so keep that locked to us for that.
1: Um, it was funny. Cause we, we joked about Darren last week about Bill Belichick laying the groundwork for, for Darren Simmons with, with, with all the praise he kept heaping on him the week they played. And now, uh, Bill is looking for a new special teams coordinator. Uh, reports are that Joe judge is going to be the new giants head coach. So that, that is an interesting thing. It's, it's as good as Darren is. He, he was not one of Zach's guys. You, you you wonder if if they will retain him. It makes all the sense in the world to retain him based on his track record and how long he's been around here and how good he is. But man, how how could you turn that down if if Bill Belichick came calling and uh, wanted? That's to just it? it. You're right.
0: You're exactly right. It's. I mean, I think that's Darren could do whatever he wanted to do. If yeah, he's he's totally free. And if if Bill Belichick calls you, uh boy, that would be tempting, especially when you can, you know, we know. We, you know, Darren's been here the entire time I've been on this beat, and he's been around here for a while, and he understands this place as much as anybody, and clearly has a lot of love for him. He's been around here. He outlived Marvin here. You know, I mean, he came in with Marvin in 03 and has done such a great job. And I, I am one of those who really pushed – that he sh- they should be giving more consideration to him. That that was not just some like, you know, pittance interview to him last year for the head coaching job. That that was real and it sh- and, and should have been. That I think he would have been a very interesting hire, and I think he could be a really good head coach. Um, I- and the judge, I just actually was just tweeting about this, and it's obviously going to be a point of conversation. Joe Judge comes from a special teams background, um, and. More special teams coaches should be head coaches in this league. Period. They, there. They, I mean, first of all, there's a history of it. I mean, you go back and you look through some of some of NFL's best coaches: Marv Levy, Dick Vermeil, Mike Ditka, Bill Cower, Bill Belichick, John Harbaugh, all with with big special teams backgrounds coming up. They, they're the coaches that see every player they deal with every coach they're they're the their job is the most similar to that of the head coach dealing with so many different types of guys and different things and if you can delegate and bring in good coordinators you can have a really good combination and that's why i don't think it's any uh you know crazy thought that you have some of these great coaches that have come from those backgrounds and you know I, I think he's the type of guy that, that should be in conversations like Joe Judge and like we've seen from Dave Tube and some of these other high-end special coordinators, special teams coordinators, and, and, and clearly Bill Belichick recognizes that.
1: So maybe he's coming for him. I don't know. And it's, it's not, I mean, just talking to Darren, it, it, yeah, he's, he's good at what he does, but he has that intent, he has that leadership ability about him. He, he's just got that, that charisma. Um, he's one of the most fiery coaches you'll see on the practice field. Uh, and if you remember back a couple years ago uh Marvin had some health issues and uh was not able to attend a training camp practice and uh Mike Brown made Darren the the acting head coach for that day and there were some other things that went into that because you know you don't want to take a coordinator away from his duties you know doing the doing practice drills with, with his group when they're, when they're not doing 11s, but I still think that kind of spoke volumes of, of where they, where Darren stood in eyes of the organization in terms of respect and leadership. And I do, I I would, I don't know if that's what he aspires to. It's something I've never asked him about, but I I would think so. I would think anyone in this profession would aspire to to run their own team. And, and he's still a fairly, he's not 50 yet. I think Darren's late forties. Um, so. I I would like to see him get a chance, and, and what better way to follow in that path if, if he were to end up in New England where they just had a special teams coordinator get a head coaching job. As good as he is in Cincinnati, you have to wonder how many teams are going to be coming here looking for, for the next head coach based on where this franchise is right now.
0: Yeah, exactly. And
1: he does want to be a head coach. I know I talked
0: about uh, – I thought it was asinine as he he's from you know his alma is Kansas and lord knows how many head coaches they have turned over since Darren has been here and I never understood why they've never made a call to Darren Simmons like I has never made any sense to me. I don't know what fool would want that job. <laughs> I would tell him <laughs> that to his face <laughs> because it you know it's I mean that's a that's a, that's a tough gig. Uh but you know I, that has never made sense to me, Be, and it's just there's just a, there's just a disrespect for special teams coordinators in general. There, everybody wants some young hotshot offensive mind, and you know, hey, we're talk, I'm, we're sitting here talking on the team that did that. There's plenty of them across the league, um, and you, you end up so many times overlooking guys that can coach, that can motivate, that can lead, that can that can put your arms around the whole team and make it go you know and it, I I think there's something to that and it's like you know the John Harbaugh thing is funny like he had to go and and become a, a DB's coach for a year to take the stigma the stink off of him as a special teams guy like okay yeah you, you, you're you right you hired a, a well rounded DB's coach you know no he you hired a special teams coordinator and you went and he's been great and he's been great. And there should be, there should be more like him. And I'm really curious to see what happens with Joe Judge in New York. If you see Joe Judge have success, and this is a dude that was on special teams guy for Saban and Belichick for nine years. Okay. If you see him have success, you could see those floodgates open. And with those floodgates open, I think a guy like Darren Simmons should be near the front of it personally. Um, you just hope at that point that you've gotten a couple more years of him here. We talked last week. Still has uh, kids in school here. I think he wants to stay here. Uh, but, you know, again, when New England comes calling, how many how many New England assistants are our head coaches in the league now? What are we up to? I mean, I mean it's a lot. <laughs> I
2: mean, and maybe so one many. more.
0: And McDaniel's still out there. Yeah. Uh, who never deserves a job as a head coach. By the way, and I'm just I'm not going to waste Bengals fans' time with that, but it makes me so mad. Which is why
1: he's perfect for the
0: Browns, perfect for Cleveland. The Cleveland and Josh McDaniels deserve each other. Deserve each other. Um, anyway, so that's kind of where all that is at. Again, we'll continue to see where that shakes out uh, uh, over the next week. Um, so you know, check us out on 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 Twitter if we have any news on that. We'll tweet it out. Uh Let's talk a little bit about linebackers. You're writing about them this week as part of our sort of off-season preview stuff. Uh, You talked to Dane Brugler about our resident draft guru, who you shouldn't, if you don't know him and you're a subscriber to The Athletic, uh, you need to plug him into your, uh, go into your search for authors to be in your feed. Dane Brugler, you want everything he writes in your feed, trust me. Um, So... You talked to him about linebackers in this draft. What what was your biggest takeaway of uh, how he views this draft for linebackers? Uh,
1: it, uh, he actually views it a little bit better. I think there's a common misconception out there that it's not a good draft for linebackers and it's it's not top heavy at all. Um, Dane just put up his new top 100 draft prospects. Who uh, currently uh, he has Joe Burrow number two. By the way, uh, he still has Chase Young as an number one prospect. But, uh, in terms of linebackers, he only has two in his top 32 and only seven in the top 100. And, uh, I asked him about the depth and, and he said it's solid that it, yeah, obviously there's not a lot of top end talent in this year's draft, but that's, that kind of fits the Bengals better because you know they're going to go Joe Burrow number one. And if they're going to, if they're going to not get a guy in free agency or even if they get a guy in free agency and they look to another rookie, that that second third fourth round is is a good spot to land and that's where a lot of these guys kind of bulk up or they're where the bulk of them are so there's guys out there that could be difference makers um he he mentioned a couple sleepers Uh, he had appalachian states akeem davis gaither as a sleeper that could be a mid-round guy he he called him the mid-round version of isaiah simmons who's uh the clemson linebacker likely is going to be the first linebacker off the board and um he also uh likes Wisconsin's Zach braun as kind of a, a maybe a second third round guy so there, there's there's guys out there that the the bengals will definitely get a chance to to get a, a up close look at some of these guys and not just how they play but but how they take coaching and uh how much the game means to them um we, we've seen that 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 kind of led to the the Preston brown departure where he was kind of going through the motions and uh, that that getting to know these linebackers down in Mobile is going to be a, a big thing for this team. And I still think they have to dip into free agency. Maybe not a, you know, first day guy that's going to be a break the bank kind of linebacker. But they, they need to bolster that position in both the draft and in free agency.
0: Yeah, I would, I mean, I would say that number 33 overall pick feels like it would be a great spot you know and and you see you'll see we'll wait and see what they end up with as far as extra picks from potential trades they would make or whatever where maybe you end, maybe you have an extra two or a late two or something like that but you know that that or 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 a little bit more ammunition to move up you know in, in into the first round for somebody else which Probably unlikely, uh, but, you know, something you, you could keep an eye on. Uh, and, and you end up with whether it is, you know, one of these, one of these guys, you know, who, who knows where they all end up. These things move so much. You get, you get so many, so much up and down that happens on draft boards and guys that fly up, uh, over the next couple of months that's no, pinpoint exactly who it is. But if there is somebody worthy, Of number 33 or whatever, which is essentially a first round pick. You, you know, you can go in on quarterback and linebacker one, two. That feels like certainly uh, a move that would be worth making. And, and then you combine that with let's, let's see what happens in free agency there. And, and if, if there is a guy worth going after or if there is, if it's you know somebody who's more of a leader type uh, that you're trying to just help bring everybody along in that room, uh, regardless, um, it needs to be. It just needs to be aggressive, and that's the worry is that it's gonna. There's gonna be too much standing pat, and that room just needs. It just needs such an overhaul and such a gutting outside of Jermaine Pratt that um, it, you, you you would hope that there would be some aggression shown there in some capacity.
1: Yeah, you wrote about what, when you did your roster breakdown and the, the question about Nick Vigil where, you know, does he, does he leave? Do they, do they offer him kind of a one year prove it deal? The one guy that really intrigues me, cause we, we talked, you know, midway through this year, we thought Pratt would be the last man stand or the only man standing after this season that it was going to be a total gutting. And I, and I can see Vigil coming back. And the one that really intrigues me, I'm curious what you think. It just, it, it feels like there's still something there with Jordan Evans. He hasn't been great at all sometimes he's been bad but he's he's got the speed he's he's got the size it it feels like there's still something there that's untapped and and maybe with a new linebacker coach they can get something out of him Um, do you think he is back you you had him listed as needs to improve um do do you think he's got a shot to be a, a part of this group next year
0: well I think he'll I mean he'll be here I mean right. he'll be he's under contract so he'll be here so he'll he'll have a chance to improve. Here's my thing. They have tried they tried every linebacker under the sun this year and still refused to put Jordan Evans out there. That says to me that this coaching staff thinks he's untrustworthy, uh is not seeing anything aware near what they need to see from him during the week. Uh I mean I have no other way to view that. I mean because They were looking – I mean, they picked – what's – Leroy Leroy Reynolds. Reynolds. (laughs) I always want to call him Leroy Alexander. I don't know why. Uh, Leroy Reynolds off the waiver wire. They had him play in, like, huge snaps in Buffalo in week three. They were just looking for anybody that they could put out there, and they never put Jordan Evans out there. Jordan Evans is not tough enough. He's too weak to play linebacker. He doesn't make enough plays. He's pretty good in coverage i was I was never I was always surprised they didn't give him more run in a sort of like more the passing down just strictly nickel or whatever, but obviously there's a disconnect there, and that's why you know if you can't get on the field last year when they're looking for anybody, I just don't see what hope you have unless you make some sort of major change in the way you practice and the way you go about things that you win the coaching staff back over. Um, to 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 really be here, I I don't think I just I don't think he'll make the team. I don't think he'll stick around, Um, and maybe he'll go play well somewhere else. But clearly, there's there's something here where they don't see it in him.
1: What if too? Because we saw them do this a lot: bring Sean Williams down in the box, and you know he's still a safety, but he's lining up in a linebacker spot. Do do they go get a a young safety high in the draft and pair him with? with Jesse Bates and and just convert Sean to a linebacker?
0: Potentially. Uh, I mean, I I would not be shocked to see them do more of that type of stuff, that type of hybrid position, which they didn't, you know, they were trying to do some of that. The problem, Sean misses a lot of tackles. I, I, you know, and and that is a bit, you know, that can be concerning. You know, I, I don't know maybe they look i could see them drafting somebody who could play the hybrid position and keep and keeping Sean and Jesse back there maybe um if you if you felt like that guy existed um you know you that's that's it that's in play but i you know i i don't know i don't know exactly how how that will play out but they they, they tried every way they could to mask that room this year with Playing, moving it to sort of a three-four dime look, where you're basically just playing one linebacker. I mean, they were hardly playing anyway. They they, they needs they need some, and and you know, I look at a guy like, you know, you look at a guy like Joe Schobert from Cleveland, who could be available. Um, you know, there's, I Corey Littleton is out there. We've talked a lot about him. I I, I would maybe be kind of surprised if he ended up. Here, um, I, I think he's gonna get overpaid quite a bit, and not that you know that guy that position isn't worth it because we learned that last year with Quan Alexander. Um, now granted, he got hurt, but still, the way he was playing and the, the value that he brings that 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 position maybe is more worth paying than people should have been, than they were realizing, than they should have realized that around here. Um, and so, but I, I don't see them overpaying unless they were truly in love with a guy, and I don't think they would be in love with Corey Littleton.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned Quan Alexander. He's, he's supposed to be pulling the JJ Watt this week. Come, they, yeah. pack, pack I, injury they except, thought was season ending, and he's, he's going to be playing this week.
0: Yeah. Except like what, like a three week shorter timeline than JJ yeah. J. Watt. This is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, that's totally insane. Um, which we don't need to talk about yes. Bills Texans, but oh my god, that is the drunkest football game I've ever I've ever watched. I, I've I've never I was sitting I was literally sitting because it was right at the time I was trying to put my daughter down who's three months so I'm just holding her and I cannot make a peep, and I'm watching this game on my phone, <laughs> and I'm just I'm trying to be silent and I it was impossible my jaw was stuck open in disbelief of every single play that was happening it was it was a very challenging scenario actually to watch that game um but anyway it, th- there's 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 a lot of there's a lot of options out there um but to me free agent second round pick or somewhere in there or and bring back Nick Vigil on a cheap deal and okay okay I think you, I think you feel better.
1: I think free agent not just not just for play on the field but they need a guy in that room that has some skins on the wall that that can be a leader in terms of this is how you do things uh you know not necessarily a guy with a super bowl ring or anything like that but just a a, a pros pro a veteran that's been around the league for a long time that That can lead these guys because, you know, right now, Jermaine Pratt's your, your bell cow in there and he's going to be going into his second year. And really, it's only going to be his third year as a, as an actual linebacker after converting from safety. I just, I I think that would be a, a huge piece to get an older guy in there that can kind of help develop this culture that, that Zach is trying to build. I mean, you mentioned it in your piece. Really, you, you, you've got C.J. Uzama on the offensive side and Sam Hubbard on the defensive side who were like the guys that did everything right You know, during the week, not just on the field, but they need yeah. more of those guys. They've, they've got to go find out and go find a few of those. And uh, linebackers, it, that room more than any other needs one of those type of guys.
0: Yeah, without doubt. And the problem is, and what you run into is how are you going to convince one of those guys to come here? Like, who wants to do that? <laughs> it's like, if you're if you're a real free agent and you've got any kind of options, like who wants to come here and teach a bunch of guys how to be real and how to work? You know, I mean, that's you've got to be able to sell that in some kind of way. And, or and overpay kind of, them. Or overpay them. Indeed. The bagels I, you know, I look at... And this might be an example of what we're talking about here. Because a guy like Sean Lee, okay, from Dallas, in this mold, where is Sean Lee going to come in and are you like, is that a game changer? No. He's 34. Going to be 34. But he is known as a, a true pro's pro, a true leader, a guy that has helped develop younger guys before you know, was a real mentor for some of those studs in Dallas in the linebacker room, you know, that's a valuable type of guy that can really help lift everyone, you know, Um, and, and that can show those guys, show Jermaine Pratt how to work, show your other rookie how to work, keep Nick Vigil on his toes, you know, Stuff like that, that type type of guy can have a cumulative effect beyond what happens on Sunday, and then and then make a little bit of a contribution even himself. You know, and I'm not saying that he's that's the that's going to be a target, but I think when you're looking at what kind of guy that is, that could be the type. Maybe that's the 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 model maybe that you're kind of you're kind of looking at. Um, or when we saw who was it, the Chargers Chargers signed. Wasn't the Chargers signed Thomas Davis, you know, who's from K? Was at Carolina, was a leader's leaders. leader, yeah, forever, you know, and bring him in to try to help them. I mean, those types of guys. Now, you still, but the problem is you you can. That's fine. That's fine to have that, but you still need more talent in there, and that's going to be the biggest other side of this.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do because they they do need that they they need the veteran leadership in there and it all starts what's march 14th i think is the the first day of the new league year so yes. we're we're about 2 months out from from getting some of these answers these questions answered
0: yes um let's uh let's move this forward uh and i want to talk uh a little bit about sam Weish. I mean, it's really it's this has been this has been a tough week, uh, you know, tough 2020. If, if you were somebody who I, I grew up in Cincinnati in the 80s and 90s, uh, and, and a huge sports fan, if you're from that era, like this last week between Sam Weish and Chuck Mayschak, man, two just. Legends and voices of sports in that era, um, that you just, that we lose this week. Uh, Chuck at 82, Sam at 74. And in Sam's case, I, 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 I feel so lucky because we have had, we get the opportunity to know these guys a little bit. Beyond, you know, you don't live in Cleveland, you live in Cincinnati. Yeah. Beyond what you see. And we get a chance, I have I got the privilege to talk to him a couple of times, to, to interview him. And few people have ever blown me away before in terms of like, I that was beyond even anything I ever believed it would be. S- Sam is at the top of that list. I will exactly. never... I, I,
1: I you you have you how many times have you did you interview sam for anything did you um i did three times yeah uh, once at the Dayton daily news and then uh twice here with the athletic and that's i i was going through i was um first of all i've never i've never felt that kind of sadness uh, at, at someone's passing that if someone i've never met i've talked to sam on the phone but i've never met him in person and it just I was at the bank when I I saw the tweets, and it just, it was really, it really kind of hit me, and uh, my memory of Sam, I was clearing out my voicemails, and, uh, because my voicemail was full, and I had one from him, and I went back and listened to it, and it reminded me, back in October, I did a story on um, Zach was 0-5, and and so I looked up all the other coaches that started 0-5, and I was surprised to see Sam Weish on that list, so I wanted to call him, and kind of get, you know, what his advice to Zach would be. So I, I left him a message. He he calls me back, and I missed the call, and he leaves me a voice fail message, and he says that he's he's driving to Charlotte because they have a flight out first thing 6 a.m. in the morning, and that he uh, he's going to North Dakota to see his daughter and his grandkids, and he would be happy to talk to me later that night or if I wanted to call him while he was waiting to board his flight the next morning. And that's what I did. And, I mean, how many guys getting ready to go on vacation would – off? oh, and he said, or if you don't catch me in the morning, we'll just have to kind of play it by ear once I'm in North Dakota. And how many guys when they're on vacation would, would be re- willing to talk to a, a reporter and – Like that. And he on the voicemail, he said, real quick, I want to tell you one thing. And then that's where the, the whole story kind of came together. He he mentioned how he reached out to Zach, um, and encouraged him at 0 and 5 because Joe Gibbs had reached out to him when he was 0 and 5 and that meant so much to him. And he still follows the Bengals and he wanted to reach out to Zach. And just the, the fact of him offering up that kind of story on the voicemail really kind of set the the story in motion and then I did I called him super early the next morning he's waiting to board his flight he's he's talking to me in the airport terminal getting ready to go on vacation doing an interview
0: Yeah. yeah I mean it's it's incredible it's the and every I think everybody that's had any conversations with him tells the similar types of stories I know um Jim, Jim Ozarski was, uh, doing some stuff that was very Sam-centric when we did, uh, we did our huge series on Bengals 50, Bengals at 50 seasons, looking back at some, a lot of the moments and stuff, and, and he had, <laughs> I'll never forget after I talked to him, cause I, at that point I don't think I had, maybe I had spoken to Sam maybe once, I'm not sure. But he was like, yeah, uh, I just got off the phone with Sam, it, it went for an hour and 40 minutes. Like <laughs> he just start. He just wants, he just loves talking about his, those times and those guys and football and, and just, and is just happy to, to talk to anybody that wants to, to hear from him and, and, and do whatever he can to help. And that I, I remember that hearing that being like, what an hour and like, what do you mean an hour and 40 minutes? Like, how, how did that happen? And then I called him for something else. I, I this was, uh, I was doing something on Stanford Jennings, uh, for the upcoming 30th anniversary of that play of the kick and his daughter turning 30 and the story behind, um, you know, him finding out his daughter was born the night before the Super Bowl and Sam had some video that he put up in the team meeting, uh, from the hospital or whatever that they had gotten. Anyway, it was a whole thing. So I talked to Sam for it and he was like, I want to make sure I picked, I wanted to pick up because I knew I need to talk to you. I've got this steak in front of me and I've got, I'm going to eat this and I'm going to call you right when I'm done with it. And I was like, okay, (laughs) sounds great. And, uh, and sure enough, I mean, like 25 minutes later, phone rings. There is Sam and we talk about Stanford Jennings and every every behind the scenes little tidbit from that super bowl and and everything else for you know for uh, it was like 30 40 minutes It was like oh so that's how that happens right i mean and it was like topic the to topic the to topic i think i what i ended up doing with it I'm pretty yeah if i have to go back i'm pretty sure i took the raw phone conversation recording and put it up on the old podcast on the bbp because i was just like you ha- you have to hear this to understand like Sam just going from this unbelievable story to that unbelievable story, and a little comment about here and there, and that he's he had so much energy he was just full go and just and just, everything was great, and you're just like, man, this is just a whirlwind uh and it was so much fun uh, to listen to and uh and then you and then you end up hearing these stories from everybody everybody has a great Sam story, and and it's yes. just that's just the kind of guy he was.
1: Yeah, I can't remember how it was. It was in the double digits, I believe. And everybody I talked to, um, all the players, uh, Sandy Schick, who was the the um, the administrative assistant, you know, kind of uh, not really. She was more than a secretary, but she came with Sam from Indiana and stayed with the Bengals forever. She stayed through Marvin's last year. Um, Everybody I talked to said that Sam's wife Jane was saying that they they weren't going to have any kind of service and they're all begging her to that they all want to come to South Carolina and pay their respects and I I don't know if you could you can't you can't phrase it as a party but can you imagine the the gathering after that service for Sam just all the stories, and, and Sandy even said that when I was talking to her. She said, I've got a lot of stories, but they would be more appropriate for the, the bar um, after a, a service for Sam than they would for print. So I, I can just, it would be amazing to to join that group if, if that were to happen. I really hope Jane does do that because there are a lot of people that, not just to, to laugh and have fun and tell Sam stories, but there there are a lot of people that, that want to come pay their respects to Sam because he meant that much to him
0: yeah talk about stories for the bar, although I love I think I think it was it might have been Popo that tweeted out the photo from when when Sam had made a big deal of not wanting women in the locker room and then came out and he addressed it like the next day with no shirt on and like it was basically like a towel, but the towel was a picture of like a fig leaf over his parts <laughs> have you have you seen this photo? From it was right after. I haven't it happened. seen the photo,
1: but that's yeah. Uh, that's one of the stories we have. Uh, I had in my story. Jim Breach talking about that moment. Yeah. We've got we've got audio of him him telling that story coming up here. Yes. in a minute
0: yeah, the the if you want the the photo to go with it, uh, go to John Popovich on Twitter. He tweeted it out, which is just <laughs> fantastic. Uh, so yeah, that's that's a good that's a good segue. Let's uh Jay. Who are the four people? These are these are four people that you talked to during the course of your reporting for the uh, the the Sam piece that's up on the Athletic. Um, who who are the four?
1: Yeah, in addition to Jim Breach, um, we we also have Anthony Munoz, uh, the only Bengals Hall of Famer. And uh, Sandy Schick, uh, she had a really funny story about uh, one time that kind of speaks to the essence of Sam uh, beyond football. And then I also have uh, an interview with Bob Baptist, who uh, covered the Bengals for the Columbus Dispatch, um, Back at that. His first year on the beat was 1984. It was Sam's first year and he has a couple of pretty funny stories and, and the fact that he's laughing while telling these stories. Uh, I just wanted to include that as well. Um, I, I know there were some, you know, Cincinnati area writers that, that probably, uh, knew Sam longer, but, but Bob was terrific to talk to and just talking about the difference of, of coming from cover, covering the Ohio State Buckeye football program that was, so locked down and no access whatsoever to this wide open friendly gregarious head coach and Sam Weish we um, really kind of spoke to who Sam was so I wanted to include what what Bob had to say as well all right so here's those guys what sticks out about your time with him what 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 do you remember yeah. most about Sam
3: completely unpredictable <laughs> uh love love PR you know, just a, really reached out to people love people uh you know like, I just I was thinking he's probably doing a magic act right now in, in heaven, you know. He like, uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just his unpredictability as much as anything and, and you know, he was a brilliant mind. Brilliant offensive you know, things he did offensively were just uh so creative and you know, so I mean I, I was thinking back to a game we played in LA after Seattle and he doesn't let the the female reporter in the locker room. Sends Boomer out to meet with her. Well, he gets in big trouble, has to go to the league office and, you know, he didn't even know if he's going to coach the next game in LA that week. Well, they let him. So he, he comes back. So we go to LA from Seattle after we'd stayed out the whole week and we win the game and he shows up in the, at the press conference, just a towel on <laughs> to prove a point and he pulls the towel off and, he said, "Just think, if I hadn't had these shorts on, what you'd be thinking right now? How embarrassed it'd be for you, and how embarrassing it'd be for me, and just stuff like that." I mean, we just—he didn't know what he was going to do. What did it? Could be anything, really.
1: <laughs> so, did you see him put the towel on before he went out?
3: No, I saw, I actually saw him yank the towel off, but I didn't. I was kind of—you know—I I don't know why I was there, uh, but I happened to see it, and he was he had the towel on. And I didn't know, so I was kind of curious too, so I watched him pull it off. i uh, like, oh,
4: Sam, only Sam could do that. I mean, there's no question that he was a phenomenal football mind, but then as a person, I mean, the guy was, uh, you know, engaging. Uh, he was a friend. I mean, he was a guy that not only could he engage with his players, but he engaged with the community. I mean, here's a guy that had to coach a football game on Sunday afternoon. And he was downtown at, you know, 536 in the morning hanging out with the homeless and at the food bank and, you know, uh, getting to know those people that weren't, uh, weren't doing very well. So, you know, the guy, he got it. I mean, he, he knew that, uh, you know, he had, to, you know, his job was to, to coach a football team and he did that. And he also knew as an individual with his wife, Jane and his kids that uh, he was part of the, the fabric of the community, which is pretty cool.
1: I think a lot of people remember how how funny he was are there are there any moments that make you that you maybe you've thought back today and kind of shaking your head and just laughed <laughs>
4: there, there's plenty of them there's plenty of, i guess the first one uh the first mini camp meeting that we had when he took over as coach of course we found out right away that he was all about magic tricks you know great <laughs> musician musician and stuff and so we're in the old Stophers hotel downtown Cincinnati and he's going to perform a rope trick and uh so he's got his rope in front of the the whole game. First time we're you know, around the guy and he says, Oh he goes, Uh, I need a pocket knife. Anybody got a pocket knife? I gotta you know, give a idea trick trick and then one of the defensive backs raised his hand and he lifts his pant leg and literally <laughs> had about a eight, nine inch blade strapped to his leg and said, Will that work? <laughs> and Sam without hesitation said, I think, yeah, he grabbed it and it looked like he was gonna go chop some weeds or something in yeah. the chop some beef in a butcher shop and uh but that was kind of the introduction of you know the characters we had on the team and with Sam, but there's a lot of different things that uh, you know, we and that was the thing about him. I mean you know, he was serious when it was time to work and I uh, had a great sense of humor.
5: You know, he had such a love for just people who, you know, got lost, couldn't find their way. He always thought the you know, the homeless was obviously his cause. Mm-hmm. And you know that everybody was one paycheck away from being homeless in Sam's mind. So, you know, he would he definitely spent a lot of time with them. One particular instance, he I was sitting in the office. Practice had just begun, and that was when Paul Brown was still alive, and he was out there. But some some you know kind of mangy looking guy walks in. And he's like, "Oh, Coach White said you could give me a ride back to back to like a shelter, a homeless shelter." And <laughs> I'm like, "Oh no, you know, I can't, <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> I'm not getting in a car with this guy." Um, So you know, he's like, he goes back out, comes back in. Yeah, Sam said because I told the guy I said, "Oh, I don't even have a car today." So he comes back in, he goes. Sam said to tell you that his keys are in his desk and you can just use his car. <laughs> I remember going out there and, you know, hello Mr. Brown and, and thinking, okay, this is not going to go well, but I thought, what else am I going to do? So I'm like, Sam, Sam, I go, I go, I I can't take that guy to a homeless shelter. He goes, why? You can use my car. I said, no, I'm not getting in a car with that guy. <laughs> you know? He's like, he's fine. He's fine. That's Tommy or whatever his name was. I'm like, no, he might be your friend. But, you know, and that's just how it was. I'll tell you another story. This is this is Sam to the hilt.
2: Two two quick stories. Okay. Um, my first year on the beat was 84, which was his first year. And I had come off of four years of covering Ohio State football, which is like covering the Kremlin. <laughs> and, um, and I go to training camp. Um, well, I met, I met him at the, the luncheon they have, but, um, I go to training camp and it's got to be one of the first, if not the first, one of the first days of training camp. And we're just talking on the field after practice. And he says, do you have my numbers? And I said, what numbers? And he said, my phone numbers. I said, no. And he goes, well, here, let me give me, let me give them to you. Cause he goes, if you have any questions, I want you to call me so you get the story right.
4: <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so he gives me, his, he gives me his office phone and his home phone. <laughs> no, no cell phones in those days, yeah. but it's, it's like, so, uh, and the next story is the day. Uh, well, let me see. Buffalo game might have been a Sunday night. Might have been a might have been a Monday night game. I can't remember. But anyway, the week after. So this would have been the week they went to Houston. This was right after the Buffalo game, and Sam was all pissed off because um, the post had had. Uh, a reporter waiting for the plane, to, yeah, it was it was a Monday night game because when they landed in at uh, in Cincinnati at like four in the morning uh the po- there was a post reporter there waiting for him to see if he had gotten fired on the plane, <laughs> and he was really pissed he was he was like not going to talk to us at all from so we go down there, and I can't remember if it was Monday, the day after the game. Probably not, because I don't think I would have been there. So maybe it was Wednesday. And Al Haim, the the PR guy, makes this announcement that uh, from here on forward uh sam's only going to be available for 20 minutes <laughs> 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 which is like it's like 20 minutes okay i think so he's only going to be available for 20 minutes after practice every day so yeah okay fine and um so we're sitting there talking to him after interviewing him and stuff and every, every one of us is watching, it. we've got our stopwatches on and we're, and we're waiting for the 20 minute limit and Sam just blows right through it. Cause half of his, half, half of his po- post practice thing that day was just ranting about us, um, and how we conducted ourselves in Buffalo and all that. But he just blows right through the 20 minutes. And at some point I just turned around in my seat and Al Hine is sitting in the back row. Of the we were interviewing him in the the team room, and um, Al sitting in the back row running his finger across his throat, like, stop, stop. and I, Sam must've gone maybe 35 minutes that day. Oh my gosh. And it, it was, it was just back to normal. He just, he couldn't help himself.
0: Great to uh, hear all of those stories. Thanks to everybody for taking time out of their day. And if you haven't read it, uh, please, there's so many other people that Jay talked to all, all those great stories up, uh, up on the athletic now. Uh, and you can go back and read that piece. Uh, the other part about uh, Sam that's great, and, and you touched on it in some of the stuff there, and I don't know how many people realize it in retrospect, so maybe at the time it was very much a known thing, um, and you talked to Charlie Lucan about it in your piece, is the the absolute intensity that Sam had in trying to help the homeless, like... I love when Charlie Lucan's like, Sam would just like barge into my office and say, fix homelessness. And just like <laughs> today, right now. I love I love that story. because like he, that was just he was constantly doing stuff. He didn't really want to get credit. He was trying to do it. He did not want people to know he was doing. It. He was constantly trying. I mean, that was clearly a cause that meant a lot to him. And he he was over the top and trying to make a difference that way.
1: Yeah, and Sandy had a funny story, too, that I, I didn't include uh, with the, the audio clips. But she talked about every time she had girlfriends in town, uh, Sam would want to take them out to lunch. And he would insist that they would go to Over the Rhine, which was not the trendy lunch spot that it is now. It was a really rough neighborhood. And that's where a lot of the homeless were centered. And he he just wanted other people to to kind of see – the, the good side of that area, and so she said that was her friends. That was their their first impression of Cincinnati was always over the Rhine. I mean, it wasn't it, it wasn't just a a thing with Sam where hey, I'm going to make this my cause. Like he he lived it and breathed it. And on the field, man, like as good as
0: there was, and I I would say you know when when you talk about when you're putting up the you know this is always like the dumb cliche thing but when you're talking about like the mount rushmore of Bengals football like Sam Sam's on there i mean what he did the the personality he was i mean he he's on the stadium i mean they can't get a right. statue or anything they never they never took down they did for Bengals 50 they put up the you live in cincinnati with Sam and didn't take it down and you know there's a reason for that and he's just revered and you know an innovator in every way shape and form of offensive football a guy that took this team to one of the two times they won the AFC title you know just legendary stuff and uh you know sad sad to see him go at the age of 74 um i do want on a lighter note i want to wish all bengal's fans a happy anniversary uh yesterday was uh the 29th anniversary of the last time the Bengals won a playoff game January 6th of 1991 current longest drought in all of football uh I did enjoy it. it was I think it was Peter King talking with Bob Kraft and it was it was on in his football morning in America it was on Brady but in it Bob Kraft is talking about you know, all the success that they've had with Brady and Belichick. And he's like, you know, I was just looking and, you know, the Bills, like, they haven't won a playoff game since 1995. We've won, like, 30-some since then.
4: (laughs) And it was just
0: like, yeah, there's some that have a longer streak than that, Bob. It is really sad. How about that? How about the reporter's question to Belichick? Oh, my God, Fans sticking with you through thick and thin. (laughs) I don't think there's been too much thin around here.
1: That was a great response. <laughs>
0: there really hasn't. There really a terrible hasn't.
1: question too. And if she was right in the front row. I was like who? Who was that person? And I'd like know. to know where in the press conference that question came. If it was like yeah. the first question out, but yeah, that was. I love Bill's response. To that there hasn't been a lot of. There hasn't been a whole lot of thin around here. <laughs> no, there
0: really hasn't. There really hasn't. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you look at uh, the twenty ninth anniversary. So I looked it up. It's not really a traditional, like, you know, this is, this one is wood and this one is, the 30th is pearls, right? 29th, the the non-traditional is furniture. So I was trying to think of, like, what piece of furniture would you give to a Bengals fan? It has to be like an old chair they broke, like, on, like, you know, during a playoff loss or
1: something, Uh, you know, framed. Wicker. Wicker. (laughs) Doesn't last long. Goes up in flames easily.
0: A nice wicker chair. That's what it is. You're going to need to sit down. Uh, you really like a therapist couch, right? Like oh, one of yeah. those long therapist couch would be a nice piece of furniture to give to a Bengals fan. Lots, lots out there. So happy anniversary, Bengals fan. Uh, next January will be 30. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe next year maybe. we're talking about the chance to break the drought. Thirty years to the day, wouldn't that be something?
1: Actually, I think it is guaranteed to be thirty because I think the playoff everything's pushed back. It's a really late Labor Day, so it'll be, it'll be, we'll be on that anniversary before the first round of playoffs even happen. So we, it is guaranteed to get to thirty.
0: Guaranteed to get to thirty. It's just pretty unbelievable. Uh, little nugget for those. I don't know if we I ever told this. Um. But when we were trying to come up with names for this podcast, hear that podcast growling one, but it was a two-horse race at the end, and the other one was a name that would change every year, and so the name of it now would be 29 and counting, which I thought would be good because it changes every year, so every year on January 6th, the name of the podcast would change, and it would be 30 and counting, and then 31 and counting, because really... It is the definitive
1: stat of this organization at this point. It is, but then they that they they could screw us up by actually going out and winning one, and then we'd have to come up then with a new be, name for the podcast. God. Then we just revert back to hear that podcast. Ground, I guess zero.
2: I was, I was excited. Hey, they won one. <laughs> I,
1: I, I thought you were going to tell me the little nugget was that you had finally gotten rights to the song, and we were going to be able to use that as our bumper music. Oh. Still working on that. Still working. Still working on that. Don't worry.
0: It's it's in the works. It's in the works. Uh, all right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna head on out, uh, Jay. Unless you had anything you wanted to add. Uh, no, no stats this week. Um, you just gave us the stat. You gave okay. us the stat of the day. That, there's 29. no there's no bigger stat. There's no bigger stat than 29 no. at this point. There really isn't. Um, 29 years. That would be a good a good story out there. Is a story on the lost generation of people that have been, you know, born in the 90s, like that have never seen, really. And I would, I would, I would bring the Reds in with that. Yeah. Those that have been born since, basically, everyone born since 1995. I mean, those people are 25 years old that have never seen a professional team advance in the playoffs in this city. Holy crap, that's true. There are 25 year olds that have watched 50 seasons of professional sports and never seen a playoff advancement. Not a championship. A single playoff advancement. Go ahead and marinate on that for a minute. (laughs) There's there's still some out there. Yeah, that's why they're all like trying to see if FC can do it and if they ever can, you know, be anything other than the worst team in MLS. Uh all right. On that note, let's go ahead and get out of here. Uh of back next week. Um Gonna talk to George Iloka. Excited about that. Um he's got his pot new podcast, the Jim Bag Podcast. He's trying to uh he's kind of get into the business a little bit. But he's had a lot of interesting things to say uh, about the Bengals and a lot of good insights from his time here that I kind of wanted to tap into. So we'll talk to George Loco next week. And after that, we'll be in the Senior Bowl uh, where the Bengals are coaching and all that stuff. So hopefully you come back then. And if you have not yet, subscribe to The Athletic. So much great stuff. My uh story, looking at a little nugget on every single player on the roster. If you've ever asked me, hey, what about that guy? I have every single player categorized. With a lot of juicy nuggets in there uh, for you to read. That's up on the site now. Uh, So you can give that a look if you are a subscriber. Anyway, thanks everybody for listening to that podcast growling. Talk to you next time.